0: I was a boarding school boy. I spent my secondary school years with 500 other boys under the watchful eyes of Franciscan friars. Boarding school is Darwinism in action, survival of the fittest. The strong survive and thrive while the weak are cruelly crushed, and traits unhelpful to survival like fatness or Dungeons and Dragons, or an interest in an insufficiently heterosexual pop star are bred out of the gene pool through relentless mocking which should have bode ill for me, with my interest in art, gay, my (laughs) lack of interest in field sports, gay and weird, and my well-worn cassette of Wham's first album. (laughs) And yet, boarding school suited me. I was the kind of confident, mouthy kid who got on fine with the rowdy football types, but with enough geeky qualities to also get on with the nerds. But some boys simply weren't the right personality type for boarding school, and should never have been there. Boarding school is like prison in that even though the inmates are constantly supervised they develop their own crude society with its own code under the noses of the guards and when the inmates are 500 teenage boys away from Mammy for the very first time that code can be sometimes brutal and cruel. Some boys were simply cripplingly homesick and would never grow out of it. They walked around the school with slumped shoulders and drawn faces, and at night, you'd sometimes hear the lonely sound of their blanket-muffled sobs. Others made the mistake of betraying a weakness of being fat, or thin, or ginger, or awkward, or book-toothed, or curly-haired, or big-lipped, or funny-named, or green-eyed, or any other seemingly arbitrary thing the pack decided to turn against. And the pack would be relentless. There were boys who went through years of torture and leaving them there to endure it was stupid and cruel. I suppose it's possible that some of them now look back and think it made them stronger people, but I doubt it. But for me, boarding school was bearable. It quite suited me. I was always independent and self-contained and I never had a single moment of homesickness. I was a lazy and poorly organized student, but I was naturally book smart, so I coasted along with reasonable grades without much effort. I got on with pupils and staff, and although I was often in trouble, I was simply testing the boundaries of my limited freedoms. For the school, any hint of sexuality of any sort was cause for alarm. The Franciscans were like Carrie's mum, aware of the awesome, unpredictable power of burgeoning teen sexuality and terrified that if even a little escaped, it could run amok, becoming more and more powerful and impossible to control till eventually it destroyed the school Debs and killed John Travolta. (laughs) The main fear, of course, was homosexuality, not only because homosexuality was a horrible crime against God and nature, but because unlike heterosex, homosex was an actual, real, live possibility, After all, here were 500 hormone adult boys and not a pair of X chromosomes as far as the eye could see. (laughs) The school's main strategy in the war against homosex was never allowing any privacy of any kind, and so 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, we were surrounded by other boys or supervised by adults, and usually both. But in truth, there was little to worry about. In those pre-internet days, we knew very little about sex beyond the basic mechanics, and we weren't even all that sure about those. (laughs) And yet, even in this repressed, sexually innocent atmosphere, everyone knew what went on in Father Ronald's office. There were a couple of priests or brothers who had reputations for being a bit too touchy-feely, but... For the most part, it was fairly benign, lonely, unmarried men who enjoyed a hug as a fairly rare moment of human contact. But Father Ronald was different. Father Ronald was a balding, grey-haired, chubby man in his 50s with thick-rimmed glasses who, among other things, was the school bursar. If you needed money, you'd go to his office and plead your case, and he would debit your account in a little notebook. And bizarrely, he was also the school sex education teacher. Every boy in the school was occasionally called to Father Ronald's office for the talk. His voice would come over the tannoy system during study, and as the named boy got up from his desk and made his way out of the study hall, 200 boys would snigger and make wet kissing sounds, while the friar on study monitor duty glared down at us till silence was restored. And after study, when the boy was back, we'd gather around him and ask him if Father Ronald had touched him and if he did what he had done, and we would laugh about it and because we didn't know what else we were supposed to do. For me and my friends, Father Ronald was little more than a creepy unpleasantness, and for the most part, mouthy, confident me, the kind of boy who might talk too much, I escaped unscathed from my visits to Father Ronald's office. Other boys were not so lucky. We all knew that Father Ronald paid particular attention to certain boys, but the details were vague. Those boys didn't laugh and joke about it, and some innate sense in us told us not to ask. Once, one of the quietest, most naive boys who wore iron slacks every day and had no real friends and spoke to his mother on the phone every evening came back into the study hall after a visit to Father Ronald's office and, as usual, we all started to make wet kissing sounds until we realised that the boy was sobbing, crying and the cacophony of stupid sounds subsided till all that was left was a confused and embarrassed silence punctuated by a lonely boy's stifled sobs. Everyone knew about Father Ronald. Everyone saw the elephant in the corner, and everyone silently agreed it was easier all round if we didn't notice it.